Hold up. So she's got to play E's eight. We got to wait. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Hold, hold on. Okay. There we go. That is, <laughs> that is not a bad game with good music. It is a good game with good music. Hello and welcome to episode 91 of Rhythm Encounter, the RPG fan music podcast. I'm your host, Mike Salbato, and today we are talking about bad games with good music or maybe something more diplomatic than that. Um, my vote is Legacy of the Cheetah Men, but that, that name requires some explaining, so I understand if it's a little too weird. <laughs> it might get people to click, but it would be very, very confusing. Yes, that's true. So, yeah, well, at some point today we will figure out uh, what to call this because, you know, we don't necessarily want to say all these games are bad, but they are games that many people would consider not great. Let's just say the music is the highlight. The music is the highlight, yes. I am 100% certain that at least a couple of listeners will hear music from a game they absolutely love and feel a little upset about it because we, like, we, we don't know everyone's childhood. There, there, are, there are some super fans of the terrible Super Famicom games that I'm about to share tonight, but, uh, but I... I am not one of them, and I, I I am firm in my belief that these that the at least my selections are good is good music from bad games. Not speaking for anyone else's. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good caveat. Yeah, yeah. These are only the opinions of four individuals, and uh, so pl- please don't be uh, please don't have your feelings hurt if one of us hates on a game that you love because right. Or, or it's, it's based on their happen. general <laughs> reputations or yeah. like some aspect of the game that makes them. Uh, unpalatable for us yeah well see that that's why it it's kind of a mouthful but that's still why i like the title of of something like subjectively bad games but objectively good music (laughs) i'm I'm sorry i'm sorry i'm not going to be charitable your childhood is a lie (laughs) oh well we're going there (laughs) there are a couple games i thought about borrowing musing from but i think they're too well liked by the general general populace for me to bring on this show because that that would (laughs) that would just be me being cruel but uh, but i whatever the two i picked are stinkers so i'm confident in those choices <laughs> oh should we should we say should we say our names before we start sharing yeah. the good yeah the good music? well you know we we all got excited about it so um yeah so um you've already heard everyone else but along with me today is hillary endriff hello mike Solosi. that's me and peter treisenberg that would be me so yeah as you can see we all have opinions about this already so uh yeah i had a i had a hard time picking these because I went from I don't know what to pick because I'm not saying I never play bad games but I'm particular enough usually in what I buy that I usually get something when I know I'm most likely gonna like it so I haven't played a whole lot of games I feel are really bad Um, but uh, you know I found some I don't think everyone I don't think most people go out of their way to experience bad games sometimes it's a combination of this is what I had access to as a kid or Sometimes it's like, oh, this is a game in a series that I really like that turned out to be not so great or any number of factors. Generally speaking, I don't think unless you're a connoisseur of garbage, I don't (laughs) think anyone really goes out of their way to 
experience bad media. That's true. When I was younger, I did a lot of game renting, and I would rent games mm. based on based on a cover or based on an idea of what I thought the game was. Oh and, yeah. Uh, and 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 both games I brought today are, uh, you know, unfortunate rent uh, rental discoveries. <laughs> but the. Uh, but but like as I got older and I was buying games with my own money and doing online research before I would buy something, um, like I I, I, I like I'm I'm still disappointed by games sometimes or uh, I, I, often enough for me to remember several. But 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 they don't have the uh, the same tone as playing a game when I'm very young, wanting to like it because this is going to be my new game for the weekend, and then discovering oh no, this is th- th- this isn't good at all. Um, <laughs> So, so it's, but, uh, but uh, I mean, spoiler alert, both of the games that I picked today are that exact story, probably not even that far away from each other. Yeah, probably not. And it's a little strange to think that that experience isn't really at all as prevalent as it once was. No, I mean, can you even rent games anymore? I, I think the modern version of that is having something like PS Plus or Game Pass mm-hmm. and, yeah, just, and, uh-huh. and just having and just having free games dumped on you and, uh, <laughs> and may, maybe, and maybe uh, playing one on a whim because because you have it and and then yeah. not liking it but it's a uh, it's it, it it's it's different like with old with old rentals it's like i am committing time and money because mm-hmm. this is going to be my new game and i need to at least get something out of it and for it for to discover that it's it's you know a a lemon is a special kind of disappointment there is game fly but uh too but although i don't oh, yeah. know right. I, I know that they, they def- they've definitely have um a committed audience for sure but most of the time whenever i see them it's because they're selling pre-used games yeah and they tried to be netflix for games except their version of netflix is the ones that would still mail you the dvds and now yeah. and now like uh 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 game pass and ps plus are being netflix for games except now it's the stream version of netflix and i I know which one i like better Mm -hmm. yeah oh man yeah so want to celebrate some trash sure i love i love me some trash guys sign me up in the background here play the i love trash song from oscar the grouch (laughs) (laughs) i don't want this show to get taken down though hey hbo does not have the money to like to spend on dmca takedowns from sesame street music we're good (laughs) yeah man they just cut a bunch of sesame street episodes and then sesame street uploaded them to youtube for free because they're chads Nice. Sesame Street are like, I mean, I mean, I, I love the OG Muppets as much as anybody. So Sesame Street, like those, I, those people are my friends and family, including mm-hmm. you, Oscar. So let's be connoisseurs of trash. Connoisseurs of trash. <laughs> I love trash. Um, is, is that I, is that the episode title? <laughs> it could be. It could be. Oh boy. Put Oscar on the graphics somewhere. Yep. All right. That's a thought. He'll just be holding copies of Lagoon and Arcana. (laughs) Uh, One thing before we get into it, I I want to start doing this because I was going through this, uh, our track list here, and noticed how many games are on this show that have never been on here before, which I guess for this topic is probably not surprising. But um, I think it's worth noting that seven of our eight games today have never been on the show before. So these are all debuts for Rhythm Encounter. I don't know how many will be back. Um, although I think maybe a couple of these might be in the future. I didn't do this research. I want, I'm excited to learn which one is the repeat offender. Oh, okay. Well, I'll I'll tell you at the end. No, well, when when the time, when the time comes and that game comes up, because I know it's neither of the ones I brought on. I brought on. <laughs> no, it, that, that's impossible. It's definitely not. All right. Um, well, one of your songs is our first pick today. So, what are we opening up with? Right. Um, this song is called Atland, and it is the sort of opening area um, song from Lagoon, a truly putrid Super Nintendo game. <laughs> All right. Um, after that, uh, is your first song, Hillary? Um. 
All right, so my first song is by Tune, Girl Named Shelky from the Dirge of Cerberus soundtrack, which I guess would fall more into the category of Shameless spinoff, maybe, more than anything else. I don't know. Maybe. I feel like it's one of the lesser regarded parts of that compilation, so yep. I think you're safe. We are going to get a reader email from the one person who cites Dirge of Cerberus as their favorite game. It's 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 happening. <sighs> Yeah. It's actually it's actually going to be me in a trench coat and a, and a face mask. <laughs> Chosen based on reputation, nothing else. Yes. And because I like the music, it's a good Hamozu soundtrack. It's great. So. It has a good soundtrack. Yes. Good All right. Soundtrack. Well, a Lagoon has a great soundtrack from Zoom Sound Team. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's go listen before yeah. we start let's, talking to Let's much. go listen to Atland and fight tune a girl named Shelk. I think it's Shelk. I'm not. Oh, whoops. Okay. I'm not 100%. Shelk. That's my favorite that's my favorite Xenoblade Chronicles character. <laughs>
So uh, that was Lagoon, which is a very negative memory of my childhood because I rented that when I was probably less than 10 years old, let's say in the 8, 9, 10 age range. And uh, again, it was a fantasy action RPG. It, it vaguely reminded me of Zelda. Uh, it had sort of an energetic opening town song and opening field area for its uh, for its soundtrack. And, and that bop you just heard is Atlas, which is sort of the it's like the starting zone it's like you go out into a vaguely forested grassy area but leading to the first dungeon and uh, again i thought it was roughly a zelda clone at the time but uh now that i am much older and think back to it and recognize the very awkward em enemy positioning and the ways to die very easily and extra damage from the rear and realize no it's not a bad zelda clone it's a bad east clone this game is is, is like playing one of the top-down east games except your sword is maybe a millimeter long and uh and, and in the latter half of the game when i when i where i couldn't continue enemies kill you in one hit so it's 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 like the dark souls of bad east games which is a real weird metaphor that i did not think i would be making on a podcast but uh <laughs> but, but so so anyway I, I have a negative memory of lagoon um and i've always sort of thought of it as one of my least favorite super nintendo games but when we were researching for this episode, like I remember those first opening minutes of liking Lagoon, Lagoon's music and being interested in continuing the game and thought, oh, that's exactly what I'm uh, what I'm going to submit for this episode. Like, like when again, uh, and we made the, this idea topic on our ideas board uh, many years ago or well, a couple years ago. And when you said and when you said that uh, on a previous podcast, I think it was the strategy RPG episode, the, like you that uh, that this one was coming up, or it was maybe it was the Super Nintendo episode. I I, I immediately knew I wanted the Lagoon song, so <laughs> I, uh, with the past couple of weeks, I listened to uh, to the entire Lagoon soundtrack and landed on this song from early in the game. So yeah, Atland Lagoon, M maybe listen to this YouTube link. Don't play Lagoon. I I urge you. That's good general advice for this episode. Listen to the music. Maybe don't play the game. I thought it was cool how. Atlant had an almost Baroque sound. Like, there's a really interesting melody and counter melody going on, but it's got a kind of more modern drum beat, too, which makes it, as everyone was saying, just like a very engrossing song that you want to bop to. The bass and the drums really yep. uh, drive it along a little bit and, and, and give the song more energy with its. Uh, but but the, the sound library is just screams Super Nintendo game uh, yep. field map music to me. It's uh, I feel like listening to this. Uh, you immediately know the kind of uh, area that you're in. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah, this is just, this was immediately just super catchy. I've been like dancing to this on and off while preparing for this podcast. Yeah, I think it's the first, it's either the first town and the first field area or just one of those. But yeah, yeah, yeah. This is sorry to interrupt, Peter. No, you're not interrupting at all. Like, um, I, 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 I really enjoyed this song. I think it's a really pleasant melody. Um, I think it's very upbeat and catchy. Um, I'm also living for this box art that they've got in the YouTube yes. video us. The, the the 3D action fantasy that is attracting RPG players in waves. Uh, I don't know anything about Lagoon, but I feel like it did maybe wasn't that hot. <laughs> There's a reason that not many people have heard of this game, and that's because it maybe did not make the waves that its box art suggests. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it sure did make ocean puns. Yeah, it sure did. Do, do we know how the original, like the PC version, was received though? Like, I, I, I don't know how faithful the Super Nintendo version is to the PC one. 
That'd be interesting to know. I did not do that level of research because, frankly, I'm not sure this game deserves that level of research. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, East uh, East games also uh, were sort of PC first before getting ported to other systems. So I, I think maybe Lagoon was an indie game. Uh, again, again, like it's it's developed by Zooms by uh, by Zoom by Chemco Seika, and uh, the music was done by Zoom Sound Team. So the, like this is a sort of a B PC game that was ported later to Super Nintendo. It's pretty old. I think it's uh, I think the Super Nintendo port is um something like 91 or 92. I'd have to look it up. But Oh yes, the... actually. I have I am going to be talking about that part. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. But uh <laughs> but uh, but again, I I remember like being in the brief time I was excited by this game before being disappointed, really liking the early music, and I sort of rediscovered that when I was doing some uh, soundtrack sampling for this podcast. Yeah, I, I I wish I had thought about that question right, you know, before I asked it or thought about it a few days ago because I I did look up a bit of stuff on this game but did not see if the PC version was received well at all or not. Um, I did think it was interesting that this game released. Um, if this is accurate, released in December of 1991, which means it came out only a few months after the Super Nintendo itself came out, at least in North America. So it was a very, very early Super Nintendo game, which tells me that tells me that they probably did not spend a lot of time on it. <laughs> I don't know. Like, mo- I feel like moving something like that to the Super Nintendo back then. Uh, I don't know. It seems it's kind of surprising to me they would get it on the Super Nintendo that early within a few months of its release. So it seems like it was like, hey, let's get this out the door as quick as we can, which might explain some things kind of like the Super Nintendo or Nintendo, which uh, which one has like old Ultima and King's Quest and a couple of those get moved to ported to Nintendo. There is a Super Nintendo port of both Ultima 6 and Ultima 7, if I recall correctly. And I think where, there's NES ports of King's Quest games, so uh, both. Yeah. The, it's funny, it's weird because Ultima 6 on the Super Nintendo is like a straight port of the PC version, but you have to control it with a D-pad. It's and, so and, bad! <laughs> and then the Ultima 7 port tries to turn it into Link's Awakening and takes out everything. Uh, that was in the game, and yeah, neither one is a good port. So I don't know. I don't know if that's what that that's what happened here, but so I should didn't... should I expect some Ultima music later in this episode? Because it sounds like it. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, I didn't pick any, but I could have. No, I was thinking of the cool, like mysterious opening from Ultima Six, but I did not end <laughs> up doing it, which maybe I should have. That's okay. We got some good stuff here anyway. So. I did enjoy the song. I mean, half my notes were just weird, the, the weird trivia that like this game was probably rushed out, which explains some things. But I don't know what what happened with the game. But boy, the the Zoom Sound Team did some great work in the music, though. Good job, Zoom Sound Team. Thanks, Zoom Sound Team, if you're listening. Yeah, I I, I looked up the uh, handful of members of Zoom Sound Team, and mo- most of their the rest of their oeuvre is not very impressive. Although I am intrigued by the title Godzilla Legend Three: Dialogue of the Infantians and Voyage to Dream Quest. Voyage to Dream Quest. Yeah, oh. Godzilla Legend Two: Voyage to Dream Quest. Sound that I I I would have rented that if I saw that on the shelf as a as an eight year old. But is that instead, a Godzilla got, RPG? Oh, instead, man. I got Lagoon. <laughs> Did you ever play? Speaking of old games, did you ever rent the Godzilla game on the NES? The weird uh, sort of strategy 
game where you like move I, on a grid? I don't think so. No, I, oh, I did boy. rent the terrible Roger Rabbit game from 3D uh, for the <sighs> NES, which has a very, very early David Wise soundtrack. <laughs> oh, OK. Well, that increases the likelihood of good music. Yeah. It's it's so hard to sit here and talk about rental games and not just keep flashing to like weird old box art. Yep. As soon as as soon as Solosi mentioned like I rented this for the box art, I'm picturing things like uh, because I just heard a song from it the other day, Power Blade. If anyone knows what that is, it's an nope. NES game. It's an NES game, and like you're, it's like this like I think I played the first one, not the second one, but like the cover art is like this huge, huge, like just majorly buff guy with a big metal boomerang. Like you fight with a boomerang. <laughs> but it's like, why do you need to be that buff to fight up. with a boomerang? I just yeah. looked it up. Oh my uh, God. Look, look. If, if, if this is an enormous boomerang, then maybe it's heavy. I mean, you have you, you think true. about that? I, also, no. just, just generally speaking, I think... Uh, video games gave me very unrealistic expectations expectations about the general performance of boomerangs because yes. like, That's like 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 you you wield a boomerang in real life you aren't throwing it and hitting eight slimes before it comes back absolutely not no, <laughs> no. Is, this, is this a final fantasy 13 subtweet <laughs> <laughs> no it, it wasn't but it could have been maybe all right well, i promise Damn some it, boom- <laughs> i promise some boomerang content the ne- uh, at the next ff13 episode peter excellent yeah, fair enough fair enough <laughs> It's like, I don't know why upgrading my Hawkeye to an Eagle Talon makes your lightning better, but here we are. <sighs> Maybe we should talk about more than one song on this episode. How does that we sound? Could, we could I talk was gonna about say, Final Fantasy. Yeah, Final <laughs> Fantasy segue. That's a good segue. It, it, another Hamauzu game, in fact. Yep, there we go. All right, we have it. And, it, it, and Hillary, before <laughs> you go, I have to say, um, this song did gave me some, give me some Blinded by Light vibes. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, with, with, the, with the, the, the the thump and the strings, but uh, please please continue. Yeah, and I honestly think that type of vibe is why I picked it. Because I'm going to be honest, I would love to hear about your experiences with George Cerberus because I actually did not play it, but I was listening to the soundtrack. I found the soundtrack, I think, at Book Off when I was visiting New York, um, oh. when they still had import soundtracks and because it was a Hamazoo soundtrack, I grabbed it. And I really just was particularly drawn to this song because I thought it was a good example of some of those kind of like more intimidating, slower, but then they kind of build. Like Hamazoo has kind of a distinctive way with battle themes sometimes. And I think this was a good example of that. So that's the main reason I picked it. Just like lots of little flourishes, but very dark and broody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I never actually got through playing with playing this one because I, you know, you Gee, can't let not me like. Think. Well, no, I mean, like I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. I bought it when it came out, and I'm like, well, I like Vincent and the art. Like, I love the art in this game. Like, I like. Yes, the... I actually have artwork of this game on my wall. Yeah, <laughs> there, are, there are more members of the Seven cast there than you would expect. Yeah, well. yeah, I mean that too. But I mean, I do know that when I bought it. I got it on some kind of sale because I remember coming home that day with like five games for like dirt cheap. Um, so I don't remember what the other ones were exactly, but I remember I bought a whole stack of them. So of course I wasn't going to get to some of them. I, I remember when I first bought a PS2 a little bit late in 2004, I immediately went to GameStop and bought, got a bunch of used games, including like the first Ratchet and Clank and the first Devil May Cry. So I, not all of those that I picked up were winners, but there, there is some fun and going to uh you know buying some cheap used games but uh i mean fun. Uh, 
yeah <laughs> that experience isn't isn't as common nowadays i think i think maybe digital sales digital sales have replaced it yeah uh, that's a good like comparison yeah because mm-hmm. everything I, I i've gotten some i used to, i used to get some pretty good deals at like used game stores but nowadays hardly anything goes down to like below maybe 40 yeah and it's like if you're looking for rare games i mean good luck Forget uh, older games. I, I actually just got one like last month. I don't know if I remember to share it with you guys in Slack, but we were in GameStop just randomly, and there was a copy of uh, Ori, the Ori, the second Ori game. Oh, yeah. um, or Ori and the Willow, Willow the Wisps. Yes, thank Willow you. Willow the yeah. Wisps. Yeah. yeah. See, that's why I didn't want to say it. Um, <laughs> but it was the it was the like big fat like steelbook collector's edition. For Xbox One, which of course I don't have, um, but it was like it was everything was in there the the art book, the two soundtracks that it comes with, and there was just like a pile of stickers, and they could not get this, they could not sell this thing. It was marked down to ten dollars. So I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna buy that. <laughs> I will I will um, buy I will spend ten dollars on this game that I don't have a console for, if only for the music. Uh, ironically, um, uh, well, okay. Last, last month, I did buy some used games from my local used game store, East Starland, which is a great uh, um, uh, used game store. And uh, and I got a, I finally got a copy of Suikoden Five that way, but it was considerably more than forty dollars. Uh, let's just say. Uh, but, but a while ago, I think over a year ago, um, the Square Enix store was doing one of their big blowout sales just to clear some inventory. And despite never playing any game in the trilogy, I bought a special edition, including soundtrack and art book. Final Fantasy 13 2 game. Oh yeah, I've got that. For, for ten bones, yeah. yeah oh, I've got, I've I have, got that collector's so like, box too. Me too. It's, it's like, really nice. It's like I, I only I only own the first FF13, and I haven't played any of them, but I think I want this, so I so I went for it. I mean, absolutely worth it to get the entire soundtrack. Yeah, or it, yeah. It, maybe it's a sound selection, but I but the no, the it's package, the whole. It's, yeah, it's the whole thing. Soundtrack. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. But yeah, the, the package is worth it. Um, so, so yeah, I guess that the feeling of discovering a, a used game for cheap is, is not dead yet. But and I guess we associate associate Dirge of Cerberus with this feeling. <laughs> putting putting all of that aside for a moment, um, Dirge, Dirge of Cerberus is easily the weakest part of the compilation of Final Fantasy VII. Like. That we got over here, I would say. I mean, I don't know if La- if Last Order or if um, the mobile phone game starring the Turks was any good. But um, was that 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 wasn't before Crisis. No, no, that was that yeah, was it before was before Crisis. Crisis. Yeah, that, 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 that was before Crisis. Okay, yeah, I was, mm-hmm. uh, I was I was I was mixing up my before Crisis and Crisis cores and core values, and I, I don't even. Know. But Dirge Dirge is <laughs> Dirge is basically Dirge is basically a bad Devil May Cry clone where your melee combat. Feel whiffs constantly and does nothing. So instead, you're stuck with a not good third person shooter. And mm. I also love it. <laughs> I this game of is. Of course you do. Game, no, okay. Now here's the thing. I don't really <laughs> like. I don't like playing it. However, oh. it is pure mid two thousands edge, and my hot yep. topic wearing ass. It's all over Vincent yep. Valentine yep. and all of this. I've got a Vincent Valentine figure on my shelf. I've got art from this game on my walls. I I, 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 I recorded uh, FF13. Um, well, no, no. I've recorded FF13 episodes and 
Final Fantasy VII Advent Children episodes and Final Fantasy VII Remake episodes with Peter. So let's just say this is in character for you, buddy. Look, the, the moment that they reveal <laughs> Vincent Valentine in the remake, I will spontaneously oh. combust out of sheer horniness. Oh, the the the, in the entire world will become 1% more moist because of that trailer when it happens. Yes, like it's, exactly. It's, it's, it is going to be out of control. And I mean, um, I mean, our, our I mean, I'm looking forward to our shared alliterative boyfriend as well. Yeah, but like, but all that aside, again, um, Dirge of Cerberus' soundtrack is really good. I adore this song. Um, I think the intro to it is really intimidating with like the drums, the way it like mm -hmm. kind of builds in. And then all of a sudden it gets kind of soothing. I really like the strings. The, the Blind If I Light comparison is very apt. Yeah. And I like I, and I, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I like Shulk as a character. I was very excited when she um, came back in World of Final Fantasy as a summon, because that's kind of a deep cut. We don't really see the Dirge of Cerberus characters anymore until 7 Remake, baby! <laughs> I have not played this game, um, and so uh, some of the compilation of FF7 characters that I met in Final Fantasy 7 Remake were, like, I think, Peter, you told me they were from the compilation. I, yeah, I, yeah, Vice I, and Nero were added in Intergrade. Right, so so uh, I, 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 I don't know those because I haven't played Intergrade yet. But the, um, the I did feel like um, Hamuza's work in 13, did, like I can feel some of the DNA from this Dirge of Cerberus song in there. The the very sort of somber strings at the beginning and then the, uh, the, the higher violin melody is almost like a woman singing and then the piano sort of uh, tinkling in after the violin. Like it, it gives this song a softness that contrasts against the hardness of the uh, deep strings and percussion at the beginning. It's a, it's a good song, and I uh, but I have no earthly idea who Shelk is. And you, you could have told me that it was like the internet um, putting the gender swapping crown on Shulk from Xenoblade mm -hmm. Chronicles, and I would have and I would have <laughs> believed you. And yeah, uh, apologies for calling her Shelky earlier. Uh, shows you how much I know the game. I, I but... you could have you could have fooled me because I'm not <laughs> sure how that's supposed to be pronounced. Um. From what I read, I read a little bit about the plot and like her as a character, and it also sounds like the song fits her pretty well, which I definitely appreciate because she's she's a character that's kind of like been through a lot and is kind of trying to get past her trauma, and so I kind of appreciate how the, this theme kind of reflects that with just like some really intense kind of intimidating parts and then some like light little flourishes. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. More than I know. My, my only interaction with Shulk is because she is one of, you know, 800 characters in Final Fantasy <laughs> Record Keeper. I think, so. um, I think they get more into her backstory in the multiplayer for Dirge of Cerberus that we never got. Um, oh, the really? Multi the multiplayer mode in this game was a whole separate thing about um, people who were stuck in Deep Ground's training program, and it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, it was a completely separate game mode, and they just cut it from the North American release. And that's where she was. Was it? Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure that she was. Yeah, I, I think they cut the multiplayer completely, but I'm not 100 percent sure if there was local multiplayer in the game. But it wasn't like this mode. This mode was like a whole online thing that required. Um, oh, that's what I meant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it required online. like you had to you had to connect your PS2 to the internet. Just like to play FF11. Yeah, the the weird modem that came with certain uh, P 
PS2 games. Oh, weird PS2 online hasn't aged great. Like, it was a completely separate lobby and uh, part of the game for the first Monster Hunter as well. Cries in Resident Evil Outbreak file. But yeah, I, I have not played this game, but now that I know it's a Hamuzu soundtrack before his work on FF13, I'm a little intrigued by it. So this this might not this might not be my last venture into it. It's also got two gapped songs on the soundtrack because this was the game that introduced Genesis. <laughs> Sorry, this is bringing back a lot of memories from high school, and not not all of them are good ones. <laughs> I'm seeing I'm, that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I know it's fine. Um, yeah. Wow, we've talked about this one a lot. Um, my comments were basically uh, somewhat what you guys said. Um, I, I, Uza was not really on my radar until Final Fantasy 13, so I I actually missed all the music in this game the first time through. Um, so I need to go back and listen to more of it, like because since thirteen, I've definitely become a big fan of his work. So and so this is is this actually a battle theme, or is it just name that for the heck of it? No, I think it, it's fi- it's a fight. It's fight. It is a fight. fight okay. tunes are the battle music. You good, do good. fight her. You do fight her. I'm yes. just making sure. Um, but but I like it for that. I like that it's a battle theme because it's it has enough drama to be a battle theme, but it's also really restrained in what we would expect for a battle song. So. Right, exactly. And that's kind of what I was trying to get at when I explained why I picked it. It's, you know, it's somber rather than just kind of like expected rock fast pace. Exactly. We're fighting now. Mm-hmm. We're fighting regretfully instead. Yeah. Or maybe something like that. Fighting regretfully could also be a title of this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, kind of like Solosi said, though, like now... After especially hearing Peter talk about it and listen to the song, I'm like, maybe, maybe I need to actually try this game. Or watch the cutscenes. Or watch the cutscenes. I have no interest in trying this game. <laughs> some, some interest in listening to more of its music. Because oh, I, I mean, okay. my, my, my time is limited now. If I'm not playing a game for the podcast, I better know that I'm going to like it. <laughs> Just got to stream it. That's true. Actually, you know, I um one of our former streamers mentioned to me on a podcast that this was one of his favorite PS2 games. So I I, I know I I know this game has its fans out there somewhere. All right. Um, shall we move on to block two? Finally, block yes. two. Yes. This episode is going to be four hours long. I know. I know. Um, more Hamuzu. More Hamuzu. That's a great idea. Hey, guess what? The next song is also by Hamuzu. Um, so we're starting the next block with my first pick, which is Battle Theme 1 from Unlimited Saga. And then, Solosa, we have your other song here. That's right. Uh, my song choice is Second Armageddon by Hirokazu Ando from the Super Nintendo game Arcana, another disappointing rental from my youth. All right. Let's go listen to Battle Theme 1 and Second Armageddon.
So, hey, speaking of Hamauzu, uh, here's this song. Um, I, I had a note where I was going to randomly reference Blinded by Light, even though we already did that in the last song. So I hate to do it, but I'm just going to get it out of the way that, yes, this could be a precursor to Blinded by Light. Um, because I do sense, I do get some similar instrumentation here as well. But I also feel like the song definitely stands on its own. So I just wanted to say that and get past it. Here we are. It's, it's kind of funny because one of my notes actually says like, it uses some, this song uses some of the same tools as the last one to very different effects. So it's kind of like a little bit brighter. It's sort of more like the like ramped up portion of Binded by Light versus yeah. the like slower portion of Blinded by Light. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Maybe we should start calling Hamuzu the king of strings now because the like both of these uh, violin parts from Shulk's theme and from this Unlimited Saga song are just so, so fun and energetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, so, but yeah. yeah, but, but the, uh, um, like the, the percussion is much brighter in this song uh, compared yep. to Shelk's theme or Brian or blinded by light. And the, uh, I just love that. Uh, I, I guess it's an electric bass, but that, that, that very, that, that sort of, um, that, uh, it, it's like that sort of medium tone, uh, electric bass that, that's playing throughout. It's, it, 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 it adds an element of funk that, uh, that the other two Hamuza songs we're talking about lack, I think. Yeah, and there's like a little jazzy piano interlude in this one too. I'm really vibing with the piano in this. Like, that's really good. And e- even the image I'm looking at from the YouTube video is like, it looks like 70s funky wallpaper with, uh, with you know, pastel, like like the set of a game show or something. So uh, yeah, I'm envisioning the cast of Unlimited Saga as being on the 1978 version of the dating game. Excellent. <laughs> And I, I have officially decided that I'm okay with Hamuzu using like these kind of jazzy, funky elements. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the violin in the song just is so, just so good. I love it so much. Um, so I, I will give a quick shout out, by the way, to Pat Gann, who was maybe, maybe not going to be on this episode, but then we filled up. Um, so I did offer to bring a song partially in his honor, and he recommended this one specifically. I listened to about half of the Limited Saga soundtrack just to see. Like, I wanted my input too, but like, this this is definitely one of the standouts. So I did go with it. So Yay. thank you, thank you, Pat. Thanks, Pat. Like, how many tracks are on that soundtrack? Because if anything, Hamu Uzu always over delivers. Like, how many hundreds of songs were in the soundtrack <sighs> of, of, of of Seven Remake? Uh, the Dirge of Cerberus <laughs> Sur- soundtrack is also surprisingly lengthy. The seven remake soundtrack is what six or six, seven discs. I think this one's only two. I think it's okay, six wow. discs with a little something else, maybe. Yeah. Okay. So, the, the, so this isn't a like one hundred plus track marathon the way the way the seven remake soundtrack is, which which is fine. He's he's allowed to do it both ways. Yeah. I mean, if you want to count um, the many, many, many arrange albums for Saga, then I'm sure it adds up though over time mm. but yeah it's just the the combination of instruments in the song uh it's just i don't know it's a very unique battle theme i think i just it's so fun to listen to i recommend the whole soundtrack of course but uh even though this game is well i'm sorry to the fan of this game if you're listening uh, i i i will admit i have not played it myself um i don't know that i've ever talked to anyone who liked it or at least could wrap their head around it just because it's so strange and more maybe more board game than rpg um i applaud that they were doing something weird and experimental but um from most people i've ever talked to maybe it didn't work so well but no complaints about the music 
I, I have only uh, really put hard time into two Saga games, and they were both for the Game Boy. But I, but I, but I liked them. So I, uh, I have a an admiration for a lot of what Saga is, but that's just fine. I'm not interested in playing them anymore. <laughs> Although I have heard good things about Scarlet Grace. If if I were to dip my toe into the Saga Lagoon again. <laughs> It would probably be that game. Yeah, I have no experience with Unlimited Saga, unfortunately. Um, Outside of an old, old, old YouTube video that was basically just tearing the game a new one. But I really do like this song. Um, As we've already spoken the praises of Hamauzu already, the strings are magnificent. I really love that uh, piano. And it's just very, very um, upbeat um, and kind of peppy for a for a battle theme you know it doesn't it sounds very very lush um I, yeah. so i enjoyed this one a lot lush is a good descriptor in general the saga games just have really good music in general like they they, they have a very unique soundscape it's kind of interesting because i'm comparing it in my head to um furious battle which is um from a saga game disguised as a final fantasy game <laughs> final fantasy legend and that one was on game boy yeah, yeah, Final uh, Saga one, two, and three were released as Final Fantasy Legend one, two, and three worldwide, yeah. and that's and, and that's how I played Saga as a um, FF Legend two. That's that's my jam. And it's it's just really really cool. It, there are actually a surprising number of similarities, and I'm impressed at like how the while that translated and how he's he was able to get that kind of consistent like feel and compositional signature between that first Furious Battle like Game Boy theme and this piece. Yeah. Like I can actually see the connection musically. I got to go listen to Fury's Battle now. Yep. So if you're, I almost said if you're listening to this episode, but that would be kind of a silly statement, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, that song did appear in episode 85 of Rhythm Encounter. So I, I will give a shout out there to listen to that episode. It was also analyzed with the fantastic uh, 8-bit music theory. Yes. <laughs> All right. I, I can't possibly think of a segue to lead into this song title. Who's got one? Um, boy. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you, you think you've prevented the apocalypse when you beat the when you finish the RPG the first time, but what about the second apocalypse? Or Armageddon? what about second What's... Armageddon? We've had, yeah, we've, yeah. Had, we've had one. Yes. Um, what about second, second Armageddon? Armageddon. <laughs> it's like yeah. It's like, I'm imagining. I don't, think, just he, a, I don't a, think he knows I, about it. No, I'm imagining a bunch of like uh, of Lovecraftian gods sitting around a table. But yes, what about Second Armageddon? <laughs> but yes. the, uh, but uh, yeah, um, this is Arcana, which is a very uh, very opaque sort of dungeon crawling RPG for the Super Nintendo that I, I think was influenced by Wizardry or Ultima a little bit, but with a little bit more uh, yep. like anime an anime image flair. But um, the the maps were confusing. The combat was difficult. If any of your human characters died, then it was game over, and you and you and you lost your your progress. But if one of, but if one of the spirits you summoned died, because your your party is three is uh, three humans and one spirit. If your if your spirit died, then you can then uh, you could revive them. But uh, and, and just. <sighs> Just like f being incredibly frustrated by the battle system and not really being able to make it past the, I want to say, third dungeon because of be because of the, like random battle stupidity and just getting lost in in badly arranged first person dungeons gave this game a very native uh, taste in my mouth. It was mm -hmm. sounds like, like again, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it really it, <laughs> it really might have been the same year I rented Lagoon. I rented Arcana. That, there's a real chance of that, but I, I have no idea exactly when either of those events happened. 
But um, but the music's not bad, and they use um, that sort of opening motif, the ba ba da ba da ba da, like that uh, that that the uh, delightful Super Nintendo horns <laughs> horns mm-hmm. uh, execute. Uh, they use that for their random battle theme, the boss battle theme, and this song, which is the final battle theme. Um, but like, but w- with sort of a different level of drama for each of those. So this is the the uh, the fanciest, spiciest, uh, most dramatic of those of those battle themes, and um, I, I I think it's sort of the, the best listen on the uh, on the Arcana soundtrack that I again listen to or re-listen to sometime in the last two weeks. Uh, but I, I I can't recommend this game. It's like maybe if you had a map or a guide, it would be way easier because it I really was getting lost in the dungeon. Uh, was was what I hated about it, and this was not this is early ish in the game. I think the third dungeon again. Uh, at, like Darwin had just joined my party for all of you Arcana heads out there, but <laughs> uh, but but the music is good, and um and, and just this uh the the uh the sixteen bit strings and brass at different points, and the sort of uh, uh the, the sort of percussion percussive ca- counter melody that's not really drums, but they like like feels uh feels like a uh like you know an orchestral chime or something that it just really screams uh it reminds me of like 20 other super nintendo soundtracks of this era that of uh, uh, which is a very specific nostalgia hit to my brain like like you know games like lufia 2 mm-hmm. or uh or or maybe tales of fantasia like, like this is this has a super nintendo final battle sound that i just love and but i i maybe it's better with game FAQs on your side, but I can't recommend going back and playing this this awkward as hell first person dungeon RPG. A, a dungeon RPG made by HAL of all companies. Yeah. Like, I don't know that what that's happened. about. I don't know. Like they went they went from making things like Kirby's Adventure and The Adventures of Lolo, which are three of my favorite NES games. Um, and then they're like, also here's this. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, the, there was uh, I mean, Kirby's Adventure. I, we, we talked about Kirby a little bit on the on the recent episode of Retro Encounter, but uh, um, Kirby's Adventure, Kirby Superstar, are uh, all time greats on the NES and SNES. Uh, Arcana is not. I, I <laughs> like, 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 but, but my again, but I, I didn't understand RPGs then as well as I do now. So p- the back of my mind is like, maybe it's not as bad as you remember. But I, I really do have a negative. <laughs> feeling about this one, but I think the final boss track is good. I, uh, I'm not going to take that away. I was to say it's a lot happier than I would expect from a song called Second Armageddon. Like it sounds very upbeat, and I didn't know the context of this song going into this podcast. Now that I know it's a boss theme, I'm like, okay, that makes a little more sense. This is like getting you pumped up, get fight music, and I think that's a. Uh, I think it works for that. And that's it's so interesting that I think that's kind of something that a lot of like this type of Super Nintendo era like boss battle music tried to do. It was like there was a little bit of like you can do this kind of tone to it with the horns and the odd little like pen flutey kind of sounding part and just like kind of and that the melodic handoffs you know you have a bunch of different instruments instead of it just being like oh god what's happening like some later consoles. What you call the flute sound, I I know is just is just sixteen bit SNES woodwinds, but I can't even right. attach an instrument to it. It's like no, like no, this is this is a sixteen bit game trying to <laughs> trying to to be a flute or a whistle of some kind, and I, right. I I identify it more as a video game sound than as emulating an actual instrument. That is <laughs> yeah, a, they absolutely they fair. Hmm. Uh, 
Well, seventh I saga. That's I, a, I, 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 another game that this gives me vibes of. It's like it's like this is seventh saga instrumentation. But you have much more positive associations with seventh saga. <laughs> I, I love. I'm not going to call the seventh saga a good game, but I love it. That that's that, that's true. Because <laughs> the, the the American version of seventh saga has badly tuned difficulty. That is its own podcast worth of complaining. But. But yeah, I, I like Seven Saga way more than any saga game. In fact, well, I made a mistake. I made a mistake in letting Peter go first because you literally said the exact same thing that I built my entire notes around. So, <laughs> I, I I know that's always a risk. Um, but you can still sorry, the punchline. Punch it's true. No, I mean the first thing I thought of, like just because of the the instruments used, like you guys talked about, I was like, I never knew that the end of the world could sound so upbeat. So. I guess I guess once you live through one, you take a more uh, cavalier, uh, Buffy-like approach, in which you have to ask what the plural of apocalypse is, which I still don't have an answer to. So, which is why we just have second Armageddon. But I but, mean, as RPG players, we all can understand that because you know we've played our way through several. Yes, I, I think maybe you would drop the first S and say apocalypse because the per- the plural of cyclops is cyclopes. Oh, that is true. Okay. So it, it might be apocalypses, even though our English language brain wants to say apocalypses. I see. But, but, but because it's an English word, it probably is apocalypses. But if you want to go to the Greek root, it's probably apocalypses, which is which does not sound good coming out of my mouth. But <laughs> just 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 going back to my my Greek mythology uh, studies and the Cyclopes makes is where my head went. Okay. Fair. I like it enough. So all right. Next time I'm I'm commenting on sarah michelle geller's instagram i'll let her know it's like i know you're still wondering about this the, the plural of apocalypse is armageddon's there we go problem solved <laughs> <laughs> oh, um but anyway as for the music i do like the incredibly triumphant trumpets i could not say that fast um and they truly the triumphant trum- trumpets yeah um and then the electronic flute or wind instrument or Super Nintendo flute, whatever we want to call it. That's it. That's the name. The Super, Super Nintendo, Nintendo flute. flute. Yes. So, no, I like it. It's it's it is. It's it's like you guys said. Like it's that very common Super Nintendo thing of like motivating you to like you know get through this thing you're doing. It is. This is very much a, you can do it. Kinda. Exactly. So anyway, that's all I got. Um, I apparently also wrote in my notes. I'll also say that despite <laughs> being only slightly newer than Lagoon M Dash. And then I must have got distracted because I didn't know where I was going with that thought. Oh, dear. Yeah. So that was it. I had a, I had a punchline and yay trumpets and yay flute. But I enjoyed it. I do remember seeing this cover. I definitely ever played the game. Maybe. Yeah. I don't even we're think gonna I get, saw We're going like, to get through this and then be like, be just curious enough where it's like, let's have an episode of Retro Encounter where we play games that we once thought were bad and see if they still are. <laughs> I mean... I mean, Lagoon and Arcana would be near the top of my list for that, but I, right up there with Beyond the Beyond, but I, I, I'm loath to try and replay any of those games. That's fair. Uh, all right. So our next block is something we don't usually do, but because Peter's songs really paired well together, we're just going to have a whole block of Peter. Yay! Yay! So uh, what do we got here, Peter? What are your two songs today? All right. So my first song for this block is going to be Wonder of Electron from Kingdom Hearts Recoded by Yoko Shimomura. Um, probably one of my, probably my least favorite game in the Kingdom Hearts series. Still has some pretty good music. Um, and then my second pick for the day is Cypher Peon Battle. Um 
by Tsukasa Tawada from the Pokemon Coliseum soundtrack. I might catch some flack for saying that Pokemon Coliseum is a bad game. We'll get into that after the jump. <laughs> All right. Stay tuned. Let's listen to Wonder of Electron and Cypher Peon Battle.
so yeah, starting with starting with Kingdom Hearts Recoded. Um, this game is kind of the low point of the Kingdom Hearts series. Don't s- s- shut up, Solosi. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I'm teasing. Anyway, never mind. Whatever. Let's let's not. I'm not one. saying I'm anything. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> You've apologized to me four times, and I have not said a word. <laughs> uh, yeah, Recoded is kind of the low point of the Kingdom Hearts series. It's one. Of, it's a remake of a cell phone game that came out on that uh, yeah, came out on the DS and already that's kind of uh, a weak spot the DS Kingdom Hearts games while I enjoyed 3558 over two days um, it's not particularly fun to play on a d-pad and re- and recoded is unfortunately has all the same problems and then the other problem with it is that it's kind of in it it was at the time kind of an inconsequential part of the story it really felt like pat release padding. Um, it's not a very long game. Like I think I beat it in like twelve hours. Um, it's more. It's a lot of got a lot of weird like mini games and stuff like that that are kind of fun the first time, but it's I don't know. It, it, I, it's it's easily my least favorite Kingdom Hearts game, and it and the the whole datascape digital world thing doesn't become important until you get into the mobile, the other mobile game, which is a whole other can of worms we won't get into here. Um, but that being said, the the new songs that are in Coded are actually pretty good. It was a toss-up for me to include this one or No More Bugs, which is the battle theme in this area. It's You're basically in these little zones where you have to defeat these glitch monsters that spawn in in order to progress to the next world. Um, so Wonder of Electron is the, the music that plays whenever you're not in a battle. And No More Bugs is the music that plays when you are fighting these monsters. I think the song is very peaceful. Um, I think it's got, it really does kind of match that like you're in cyberspace vibe. It kind of reminds me of like a lot of those like 90s cyberpunk type stories where like you you, like hackers or something ridiculous like that where like you're you've kind of got this like weird techno vision of like what this is what the future is going to look like yeah like the angelina jolie movie hackers please yes i love (laughs) hackers hackers is hack the planet that that movie's not a good movie but it's an amazing movie Yes. Also, yes, please see our Songs from the Future episode for more on this topic. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think, and this is actually, uh, again, Shimamura is a great composer. One thing about this song that I actually like is that the fact that it is a little bit bit crushed by the 3DS's, by the DS's audio capabilities, I think it works in its favor because it kind of gives this song a bit more of an electronic vibe to it. Um, the fact that it kind of has that not quite that kind of tinny sound to it in the background, especially the really yeah. crunchy bass. A, a lot of DS games, I think, were enhanced if you uh, use that he- headphone jack in there because the the DS speaker is, mm-hmm. I mean, is not great. I mean, I mean, it's, it's a no. it's a handheld from 2005 or whatever. It's 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 definitely not good. But but there's a lot of good DS music out there that uh, is heavily improved if you just even just use the, some cheap earbuds because again it, it's it's not a bad sound chip but it is a pretty bad speaker that's true yeah definitely if it even really has a sound chip i mean it's it's i guess it's all in the processor by the ds era right i'm not 100 sure how that works honestly i'm not 100 sure either that's my thoughts on wonder of electron uh what do you guys think i thought it was it interesting thing to hear from Shima more just because it is a little bit more of that kind of fragmented very atmospheric 
less of a strong melody than I would expect from her, which made it interesting. Um, there was an, an interesting key change that I noticed. It was kind of going along a little bit more peaceful, and then there was some modulation, and it sounded a little bit more sad all of a sudden, I think near the middle. Um, but I also happened to notice that like the opening run, the do-do-do-do-do-do, um, sounds to me like a really peaceful, slowed down version of the beginning of the World Warrior from the Street Fighter 2 soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Like the the uh, the the do 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 at the beginning of that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I mean, uh, you know who wrote most of the Street Fighter Two soundtrack? Yes. It was Miss Yoko Shimomura. Oh, yeah. Oh, she knows. Yeah. I know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we were listening to that song. She's like, wait, 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 wait. Go back again. Which Street Fighter Two song is this? I know this is in Street Fighter Two. Yeah. It's the it's uh it's it's the logo stuff before the bam 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 yeah so yeah yep. uh, all right that, that, that's that's maybe the Yoko Shimomura soundtrack I know the very best <laughs> uh and and uh and I I love you know a lot of Shimomura's music um I have not played Kingdom Hearts recoded to the surprise of nobody uh but I I think it's interesting because like this song doesn't really have a melody. It's like four counter melodies all at the same mm-hmm. time, where you have the the what sounds like a like the bottom register of a vibraphone and something that can, that can only describe as like as like synth strings and a very mm-hmm. buzzy bass. It, it's like these it, it, it's four sort of electronica sounds that don't really feel like a chamber orchestra or or, or real instruments. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's it, it's like deliberately synthy, deliberately electronic, but 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 quite beautiful and quite uh, and quite pleasant. Um, it's and uh, and I think this is maybe why he paired them together. But the the other song that uh, that we arranged, uh, I mean Peter, your other selection is hmm. I, I think has like a similar uh, like. like uh, they almost sound like they could be from the same game, but in tone, they're almost totally total opposites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because and that was one of the reasons that I went with Wonder of Electron instead of No More Bugs, because No More Bugs, Mike, Mike um, off off the episode described it as being a lot like a Mega Man song where it's like and that also is like that very crunchy audio, very it's much faster paced. But um I didn't want to pick two battle themes. I kind of wanted them to contrast each other. Uh, we can talk a little bit about the Pokemon Coliseum soundtrack too, if if, we, if we're done with uh, Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, Pokemon Coliseum. This is a game where I have a lot of nostalgia for it. I know that a lot of people do. A lot of people are still looking for our return to the Ore region um, after all this time. Going back to Pokemon Coliseum today, and even for the time, it is a very flawed game. I get that at the time we were all pretty excited to have a console RPG Pokemon game, and I think we were willing to overlook a lot of problems because of that. But now that all of the Pokemon games are in 3D and on console, it kind of is irrelevant. A lot of what Coliseum did back in the day is, isn't really innovative or new anymore. And what are you left with? You're left with a Pokemon game that has a very limited roster of collectible creatures, very bad experience point distribution. Like it is very, it is very, you get under leveled or over leveled very quickly in this game. And then it makes training your Pokemon much harder. Um, the purification mechanic is annoying. Having to, interrupts combat constantly to shout down your shadow Pokemon is annoying. Um, 
there is a, a dearth of optional content in this game. Like, there is technically a post game, but it ain't much. Um, and this was, back in the day, this was one of those, the fragmented Pokedex from Generation 3. This was the only way to get Jirachi. It's the only way to get Jirachi, the only way to get Espeon or Umbreon, because there's no night-day system in uh, in the third-gen games. And it's the only way to get Entei, Suisun, and Raikou. So... Uh, wow. spoiler alert, yes, yeah, spoiler alert, this is one of the four games on this episode that I've played, and it was because I was using Pokemon Coliseum to farm Pokemon for my, uh, copy of Leaf Green. Um, when wow. I got, when I, when I got back into Pokemon in 2006 when I was a Night Watchman and really needed a way to pass the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, 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 I played Leaf Green, got, bought four other pop Pokemon games to send stuff to Leaf Green, then got really into the Gen 4 games. But that, that's a whole other thing. Um, so I've played Pokemon Coliseum, the purification thing where you sort of, uh, like your enemy Pokemon have a dark shadow over them, and then you can steal them from the enemy with a uh, with maybe the worst system. Like, like imagine, uh, imagine the frustration of trying to catch a Pokemon, but the catch rate is really low, so you're, you're blowing all of your Pokemon, all of your Pokeballs trying to get it. Like, imagine the worst version of that, and it's in the middle of a boss battle at the same time. Is, mm-hmm. is, is, is how purification works. This is a frustrating. Yeah, this is a frustrating game, and the only nice thing I'll say about it is similar to Pokemon Stadium on the N64, there is something fascinating about putting your uh, GBA cartridge into the Super Game Boy of the of the GameCube, and to, 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 so that your Game Boy, your Advance game, and your GameCube game could interact somewhat. That's cool. But yes. other than that, other than that, I ca- I cannot recommend Pokemon Coliseum because there are way better ways to farm those legendaries now. Yeah, and not to mention Coliseum is also completely overshadowed by its much better sequel, Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness. The jokes write themselves. Yeah, but a- <laughs> a- AKA the way to get uh, the way to get Ho Oh or Lugia into your GBA Pokemon games. Well, Ho Oh <laughs> wasn't Ho Oh was in uh, Coliseum. Oh yeah, yeah, it was just that, Lugia in that one. Right, you're right. But, you're right, you're right. But, but oh my god, the hoops you had to jump through to get Ho Oh in Coliseum. Like, it, 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 that's a whole other discussion. Did you say something about shouting down your shadow Pokemon? Because I'm imagining oh. playing Go, like walking down the street, going like. God, I know Giovanni hurt you, but what are you doing? Oh, yeah, no. So your shadow Pokemon only have, when you first get your shadow Pokemon, they only have access to one attack. It's called Shadow Rush. It is a damage-dealing attack that also does recoil damage, which is part of what makes catching shadow Pokemon frustrating is because they will be constantly hurting themselves. Um, and uh, so they could faint before you get a chance to catch them. That's fun. I, I, I did not beat this game, but I did catch Entei, and then I think I lost my damn mind trying to catch Suisun and gave up, if my, if my, if my memory serves. Uh, but um, whenever you command a Shadow Pokemon to use Shadow Rush, there's a chance they'll enter hyper mode, where they stop listening to you and will um, just spam attacks again. So in order for to get that to work, you have to use the built-in shout command, which wastes a turn but calms down your Pokemon. Um, this happens constantly. Also, in order to purify your Pokemon, you have to constantly battle with them um, and have them enter hyper mode and then shout them down. That's the best way to reduce it, which means you're in a constant loop of not actually doing anything in battle. Um, also, also, purification is affected by your Pokemon's nature, but you can't find out your Pokemon's nature until you've purified them. Okay. It sounds like at least half of this game is just yelling at your Pokemon. <laughs> 
which does yes. not sound like a good way of raising them. No, yeah, I, no I mean, it really I, doesn't. I, I mean, Pokemon players at, at, at this era were excited to have a Pokemon game on the GameCube that had the same vibe as Pokemon Stadium and uh, a single-player story mode. The problem is that the problem is that none of it was executed well, and just they they take the the most frustrating parts of the Pokemon experience and amped amp it up. Like I I can corroborate that that listener that loves Pokemon Coliseum. This game is not as good as you think it is. But uh, but this battle theme is some you know uh, live wire electronica. That's that that is you know an, another banger as the kids say. The whole and this is the thing for all of my complaining about Pokemon Coliseum. Coliseum's soundtrack is burned into my memory, and I adore it. Like, this soundtrack rips. It has got so many catchy battle themes, It's and this is my favorite one on the whole soundtrack. Just the way that electric guitar kicks in and just is going ham, mm-hmm. the kind of super fast-paced build-up to the song with the electronic music coming in, and then the way it just kind of... S- just that dun 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 like i just i love it i i adore this song and since you're going to be hearing it a lot especially if you want to try and catch every pokemon in this game um it's a good thing that these battle musics are total bangers it actually brought to mind like some of the spectacle involved with sword and shields battles like i could picture this in a stadium with like a giant audience in a good way uh-huh oh and the final boss fight of coliseum is exactly like that um it's got including like the crowd noises and everything oh, nice. um yeah coliseum Col- coliseum beat sword and shield to the punch um yeah in, gen- in general that's the one thing i think this game does really well is its sense of place and the soundtrack because these environments are pretty cool looking and the music absolutely suits the vibe. Like, I, I could have picked any song from the Coliseum soundtrack and put it on here. Like, I almost picked Pyrite Town because that song with its, like, constant finger snapping, like, that's been stuck in my brain for years, too. Like, uh, it, it was a hard pick, but I eventually settled on Cypher Peon Battle just because that electric guitar gets me every time. Oh, it's fantastic. I, I don't know what I was expecting since I haven't played Coliseum or... Is Coliseum really related to Stadium? Because I always thought it was, just based on their names. But. No, well, no, not not really. They, they they both have the gimmick of you can uh, connect to your Game Boy Pokemon games, but other than that, they're they really aren't similar at all. It's basically um uh it's got a single player story campaign, and then it has a ba- a separate battle mode where you can plug in your Game Boy Advance and do some stuff with it. Okay, because Stadium was like basically mostly just about the battles, right? Yeah, and yeah, and this is not that. It's um, it, it's yeah. even like you only have pre-made rental teams available unless you bring in your Pokemon from Ruby and Sapphire. Um, you don't like get to like pick a team of rental Pokemon like you could in Stadium. It doesn't have any of the mini games from Stadium, so like basically, it's Stadium without the fun stuff. Oh, I see. Well, at least it has good music. It has great music. And XD, XD, the sequel, basically fixes all of Coliseum's problems. But unfortunately, in the process, it also kind of loses its weird identity. Where, um, and, and and is also kind of overshadowed by modern Pokemon games on console. Um, really, neither one of the or games are really worth revisiting these days. But we'll always have this soundtrack. All right. Well, that brings us then to our last block. So my second song of the day, I don't know how contentious this choice will be. Um, I'm going to say probably not too much. (laughs) Um, But my second song is Altar of the Barrier or Altar of the Bond, depending on the translation. 
from the Grandstream Saga, uh, a quintet RPG for PlayStation 1, which is very... Uh, we'll say it was received very differently from their three three of their Super Nintendo games. Yeah, because this is like the unofficial fourth Soul Blazer, isn't it? Eh, sort of, I think so, yeah. Um, yeah, so we have the Grandstream Saga and then Hillary, your second song. Um, yes, other than the bonus track, we are going to finish up with Adios from the Shadow Hearts from the New World soundtrack, which, again, debatable whether this is a bad game. I like the air quotes. Yes, is, I, did air, I did air quotes. Okay. Um, but for me personally, there are aspects of it that I just really like. can't deal with or see past. So yeah, also the music's pretty good, so it's here. I, I, I think I know where you're going with that line of thinking, but we'll, we'll have a discussion after the break. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. So let's go listen to Altar of the Barrier and adios.
So uh, a shortly, <laughs> I hope this is short, uh, a brief backstory on my selection here. So I know Grandstream Saga is not generally well regarded, um, more so given that it was developed by Quintet. And it's like, this was their first game after Terranigma, which got a very, very different reception than this game, um, at least for the regions it was released in. Um, so, you know, me, me, I always thought it was maybe some growing pains for them, like going from they had a really solid thing going with their 2D games, and this was their first 3D one. So, you know, sometimes that doesn't always turn out so well. Um, but the soundtrack, very different story. Um, the soundtrack is actually credited is credited to four people. Um, so some of the songs on here are actually by uh, Kohei, Ten- Kohei Tanaka, a man with a like just ridiculous number of games to his name. Like I looked him up on VGMDB and like, I know he did a Lundra and some other stuff, but I had no idea his discography was like as extensive as it is. It's just incredibly long. Like he has been a busy man. Um, but I was listening. I knew I wanted to do this game, but I didn't know the song yet. So I was listening to the, the soundtrack over on YouTube and I was listening through it. And I just kept like, you know, mentally bookmarking my favorite songs and it just so happened that every song I thought, okay, it's going to be one of these, all were composed by the same person of the four. Um, so this particular one is by uh, Miyoko Kobayashi. And um, I looked her up as well, and she doesn't seem like incredibly active in composing for games, but she still seems to do like at least one game mostly every year. Um, sometimes she does some Atelier games. And uh, so I had not heard of her before, but yeah, so that's... I guess I decided that she's the star of the soundtrack. Um, also, she's a apparently a really big fan of bunnies. Like her website is covered in bunnies, and her her tweets are like videos of her bunnies and stuff. So you know that's cute. Not related to music, but you know, as a new bunny owner, I thought it was interesting. <laughs> I guess that fits with the like atelier profile. Yeah, they all look cute. So um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's maybe more information than you needed about you know my listening habits on this particular album but uh the song like i love i love the instruments that she used on this um there's actually some the way the instruments are used and the certain there's a certain sound to it that i didn't choose it for this but uh i noticed that some of it sounds a little bit like some stuff that uh hiroki kakuda did for kadoka uh waterfall right Mm -hmm. yeah that's the battle music and it's it's not surprising you should say that because uh, he pretty much has a reputation for kind of trying to like use synthy versions and try and get that kind of like world instrument sound. Yeah, and that's, that's what I got out of this one too. So it's like flute or clarinet, but yeah, I guess it's a synth mixed with an instrument. So I, I couldn't really exactly pinpoint what it is on some of these instruments, but I just, I love the sound of it. And it kind of creates this sense of this you know, foreign land or a new place that you're, you you haven't explored yet. So, yeah. So, like I said, I, I was definitely drawn to her songs, but I definitely recommend listening to the album in general. Yeah, I I, I, I got the idea that the flute sound was a was sort of a non-Western instrument, like a, like a, a Hillary suggested world music. But I, I it's like this is like a low pan flute or like a, a shakuhachi that's not as shrill or something, but both the, the both mm-hmm. like the, the, the staccato string instrument and this wind instrument both feel like, like again, like a non-orchestra instrument in a way that made, that gave, made this game feel a little bit East Asian, but not quite like a, almost like a, like a Breath of Fire song. Yep. Mm, yeah. But uh, 
but yeah, but but it's a uh, but it's 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 a very specific um, instrumentation that I, I thought was quite beautiful. Is this, is this a is I, I mean I assume this is either like a character centric theme or maybe a town theme. It's I, I I I doubt it's 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 combat or field music, right? I'm yeah, I'm not totally sure how it's used, but I I would imagine that you're right. Uh, and also, this is the one game on this list that I have neither played nor really heard of. Uh, again, I've, I've I've played my two selections as well as Pokemon Coliseum and and From the New World, but I I haven't like I think maybe I've heard the name Grandstream Saga before, but I know zero things about it. This is my first exposure to this game at all. I you know what I I only know it because it was a game my brother played, and I I could never get over the the weird. If you've looked up the game, like. It's 3D, but it's so basic 3D. Like the characters don't have faces, and it's just—it's sort of disturbing to look at because the, <laughs> they don't have faces. Because it's a lot of times it's top down, so like who cares? But then when they when there's conversations going on, they do pan the camera down, <laughs> and you just see these no faced people talking to each other. It's, so it's, it's like, it's like odd. Is, is this game entirely department store mannequins? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's that's my new. That's the way I'm going to interpret it. Just to. You know, if I ever play it to get through the game, it's just, yeah, you know, or maybe like friendly robots, okay. robot world. Less disturbing um, than just no face people. Yes. Yeah. God, this may, it's it's like every, it's like every character is from the dark world and Coraline or something. This is, this, oh, this God, sounds a little no! disturbing. Uh... Hey, that That's a good movie with some, with some very creepy imagery. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, it's and some talented voice actors too. John Hodgman's in that movie. I love that guy. Not to mention the weird little uh, "They Might Be Giants" musical cameo. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. But uh, and, and uh, speaking of uh, uh, speaking of Tim Burton, I mean, I'm, I mean, are you excited for the Wednesday Adams show? Because I am. But all right. Uh, and anyway, uh, back to Grandstream Saga. Yeah, this this song is cool, but I know zero other things about Grandstream Saga, so I can't meaningfully contribute here. I'm sorry. Yeah, this song kind of rules. Like, um, I, I'm really, I really enjoyed this one. I really like um, the uh, the pipe organ kind of in the background, that kind of slow, ominous buildup um, before it starts, it like kicks into the main melody. Um, the little, the couple little like drum beats that are play like in, at different intervals, like the <laughs> like, that's super cool. I love that. It gives this song so much atmosphere. It's just, it's just, it's a very moody song. It is, and I think it's got a lot of little characteristics that kind of elevate it above maybe a lot of other like this is a mysterious place kind of songs. Like I love some of the transitions and the melody taking over at about a minute in, and then there's a fade out, and it just it really sounds like it could come from just any number of extremely successful like PS1. RPG soundtracks and it's got a fun like call and response between some of the instruments but yeah really good choice thank you all right you ready to talk about yours um yes <laughs> okay so uh shadow hearts 3 um anybody who's followed the podcast probably knows that i am a big fan of the shadow hearts series in general first two games i had so much fun playing them there are some good things about from the new world and there are some things about from the new world that just kind of eventually prevented me from playing it uh i played the beginning of shadow hearts from the new world and i enjoyed parts of it uh yeah i think i think choosing a setting of what is it 1920s united states is interesting so and Pretty combining and, and combining like chicago city with Amazon rainforest and uh, and and sort of wild western frontier, like that's all interesting. I think I think Mao is delightful and Frank is hilarious. Yep. 
but then when you go when they ever try to do something dramatic or have any native representation on screen this game is problematic oh boy it's it, it has aged badly yes it really has and and i say this as and i say this as, I, I i'm not as deep into shadow hearts as uh, you are hillary and probably not as deep as peter is either because uh, peter i know you're a, you're an appreciator of shadow hearts 1 but shadow hearts 2 covenant is so special and for this game to be like make you like like tense up and stand back is is a big disappointment so i i understand coming from a perspective that this game is good but there are certain things that are about from the new world that are hard to like like hard to process in it that's all i'm gonna say but the song's good yeah um you basically i we knew we were gonna have some of the same reasoning yeah but yeah it's basically at like the Unfortunately, you know, the Native American representation is something that I could not look past. Um, just, well, there's a lot going on with it. So, like, I mean, we're mostly here to talk about the music, but for anyone who doesn't know. So, like, let's, it, I'm going way too, like, literal, like, real life right now. But, you know, we're watching Deadwood right now. Where Deadwood is set the way they refer to Native Americans and Asian people is incredibly offensive. Yes. Although I imagine historically accurate, but I'm guessing it, that's, there's something else in this game. That is it's, that is not the case with this. This okay. is really just kind of like, uh, if I had to explain it, I'd say it's an unfortunate combination of like stereotypes and like conflating information about very, very different peoples. Ah. Uh, among other things. Yeah, that's too bad. I, I have not gotten super far into from the new world but i understand like but uh, from now on i like when i think of native representation and from the new world i think of the dvorak symphony and nothing else it reminds me it kind of reminds me of how like but apparently like so like how in america we have like weeaboos and otaku who are really into japanese culture but in japan they have people who are like really into westerns like i i think dressing like a cowboy and enjoying uh western films is one thing but there are certain visual choices that this game makes that 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 it, it, it's like it's, it's okay to be a japanophile it's okay for a uh for to be a like a, a lover of the old west but then there are there are certain steps that make it inappropriate and sometimes yeah sometimes it gets inappropriate I, i've seen the fetish doll uh main character girl in from the new world so i totally see where you're coming from like we've, we've made it clear why we think this game is uh to use a catch-all adjective problematic yes that being said though i do love me some good acoustic guitar and this song uh really hits hits a sweet spot for that. so this song is yeah some really neat flamingo guitar courtesy of um the mariachi character <laughs> in the game ricardo um who i think i hope i'm not getting this wrong but you first run into him performing um in chicago at one of al capone's joints and then he joins your party later because well plot related reasons something bad happens to someone he cares about so he joins the party too get revenge i i have to wonder i have to wonder though because you have a mariachi character who has who i think has a gun hidden in his guitar yep like is is there some rob rodriguez antonio banderas el mariachi going on here it sort of feels that way to me yeah it sounds like it uh, i mean all, it, all, all it's all it's missing is danny trejo with a character named after some kind of blade and we're in yep exactly <laughs> um it's funny because i don't talking about the song itself i just have a serious 
weakness for like the classical guitar and that is the main reason I picked this one. Also because it's adios and I was really hoping it would be the last song in the last block. Well, it is. Yay. <laughs> I mean, I didn't I didn't put it at the end just for that reason, but it it was a good uh, incentive. Uh but but this the bonus track is going to be second adios. It is. It's also going to be a little weird, but that's okay. <laughs> yes. Weird is good. Oh wait, no, I don't I mean, I don't know what it is. I, I can't wait Uh-oh. to hear. I guess just kind of random aside the way you like ricardo's weapons it's just really funny and they like another frustrating thing is i do think shadow hearts 3 like gets some of the like goofy humor that you see in covenant and one of these things is ricardo's guitar upgrades where he goes from like a simpler gun guitar to like a rocket launcher gun guitar wow nice (laughs) and there's a little bit of kind of like meta description and like kind of poking fun at that. Like, we're not really sure how this works, but now we have a rocket launcher. <laughs> yeah. Like I've seen bits. It, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, is Frank the one, cause I know Scott was streaming this at some point. Is Frank the one who like pull, tries to grab like the sword from the stone, but just like ends up swinging the sword and the stone around. Like he just seems like this ridiculous character. Yeah, Frank Frank is a World War One veteran who has PTSD, escapes to the Amazon rainforest, and believes he is a uh, a successor to a certain style of ninja. So he is a white man in his forties who believes he's a ninja and lives in the Amazon rainforest. And yes. if you don't, and and if you aren't laughing or at least admiring that description, then <laughs> I'm not sure we can be friends. <laughs> no, I'm there. I'm there. Uh. Yeah. See, so that's too bad. Like there, there obviously are some stuff about this game that sounds really compelling there are there are funny and interesting things about this game but then it but then it sort of it, it crosses a few lines that mm-hmm. are that are just not appropriate i'm not even sure i disagree with the decision about them making it like well having america as a setting like there is a lot of like opportunity there but also you could even say it's a land of opportunity yes indeed But also making it a side story kind of like about the aftermath of a certain event early on. Well, no, about halfway through Shadow Hearts 2 from like the consequences of some kind of random like American family getting some of the power of the emigre manuscript. Yeah. And yeah, I don't want to spoil too much, but I mean, it's part of it is like it does actually fit into the canon as a side story. And maybe we can cut this out. But the other the other thing about from the new world that rubbed me the wrong way that's unrelated to native imagery is the uh, the vampire character. Yes, I was just body yeah body dysmorphia is also is also that's also a very bad message. Yeah. Um, although I, I I think it's not as egregious as the native stuff, but it's 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 not good. It's a bad choice. No, but it just it made me so concerned because just uh, anybody with any sort of like eating disorder and just like that fluctuation of you know sometimes she's thin, sometimes she's curvy. Mm-hmm. Just like I was like, oh no, no, yeah. unhealthy, unhealthy. Yeah upsetting like like joaquin's stats or his bat form changing based on the time of day or phases of the moon is that is kind of great because it's like like he's turning into different colors of bat or something but for like you can interpret this as body dysmorphia on screen changing gameplay and that's just not good you don't want that no yep if they if they made it that she could like eat giant cakes or something for boosts of power 
that that would have been fine. But having her go from fat to skinny to fat again with her attacks changing depending on if she was fat or skinny is just bad. Yeah. Because I mean, I mean, the idea of a vampire that loves sweets instead of blood is actually not the worst. <laughs> but there, but no, this game I like has plenty. Yeah, it's this game has plenty of other bad choices. Sorry, Wes. <laughs> I know you want to like it, but I also know you know these things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think. Wes will forgive you, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. Anyway, let's talk about what's coming up next on the show. We are doing, I hope I have my episodes in order, right? Yes. So in a couple of weeks, we are doing an episode on the Sega Genesis. We did a Super Nintendo episode a few weeks ago, and I wanted to do a companion one with the, you know, the Super Nintendo's competitor at the time. Um, so the, we have a Genesis RPG episode um, after that. I may switch the order, but we're either going to do Pokemon or a composer episode for uh, Masafumi Takada, who's done Danganronpa and some other games that you may know, even if you may not know him, know the composer by name. So that is what is coming up next on Rhythm Encounter. Um, if you have feedback on this show, you can email us at music at rpgfan.com. Uh, we'd love to know what you think. Um, if you are a major fan of Unlimited Saga or Grandstream Saga, you know, let me know. Hey, it could happen. If you're a, if you're a super fan of Lagoon or Arcana, please do not contact me. Just just <laughs> just move on with your life, and you you do you. I do not want to engage in either of those discussions. No thanks. If you like Pokemon Coliseum, uh, reach out to me, and we can vibe out to the soundtrack together. I'm trying to decide if we if we should do contact information or skip it this time. Um, <laughs> But that said, if you want to reach me directly, you can get to me at mike at rpgfan.com. Um, Hillary, how can people reach you? Discord's the easiest way. I'm EP Fire there. And like I said, specific reasons for my choices. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Celeste? Uh I am very easy to find on the internet. I am at The Real Monsoon on Twitter most of the time, at Evoca for Dogs other times. And on RPG Fans Discord, I am Monsoon Mike. And Peter. Uh, you can find me at I Have Fury on Twitter. You can also reach out to me, Peter T at RPGFan.com. Awesome. Um, I don't always do this, but I want to uh, mention this this time that, uh, you know, if you're new to the show or don't like go through all of our show notes, that we do have the full track list in the show notes. And then if you click through the show notes to RPG Fan, our post on the site, we have links where you can um, look at more information on these albums so you can find our reviews, uh, places to buy and stuff like that. Um, I want to mention it here because there's a few albums here or a few soundtracks here that didn't get albums or are impossible to get. So like Arcana and Lagoon, you probably not be able to buy uh, Pokemon never got an album. Uh, Grandstream saga is long, long out of print. So uh, if it's something you can still get to somewhere, we have a link. Otherwise we, we are, starting to link to YouTube playlists just to make it easier on you. Um, so there'll be a few of those in this episode because otherwise there's really no good way to listen to this stuff anymore. So be sure to check that out. Um, also be sure to check out our other podcasts every other Monday in between rhythm encounter. We have random encounter, our general RPG podcast talks about current topics and new reviews and features on RPG fan. 
And every Thursday, we have Retro Encounter. And as always, Celosi, I'm going to let you introduce it because you are here. Uh, sure. Um, I am the showrunner for the podcast Retro Encounter. It is a weekly show that uh, has a game journal every week where we have a specific theme or a specific game that we discuss over multiple episodes. And in between game journals, we have a variety of topics uh recently for the podcast we did um an episode drafting suikoden characters onto custom-made teams and coming up soon on the podcast we have an episode celebrating the legacy of the nintendo 3ds so if any of that sounds remotely interesting check out retro encounter on the rpg fan podcast feeds we have over 340 episodes by now so there's plenty of backlog to roll through it's true all right yes so please check out our podcast check us out on social media we're always streaming stuff on Twitch and, you know, the website at RPGFan.com. If you would be so kind and feel like reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen, we would appreciate that. We love reviews and subscriptions and comments and feedback. All right. I think we're good. So someone here has a bonus track. I guess you already gave away it was you, Hillary. Yeah, I guess I did. All right. What are we doing here? Uh, so this is one I didn't want to put in the actual episode. <laughs> because everybody knows that I like Mist, but this was just a really, really cool song, and it is from Mist Uru, which is the really strange failed Mist MMO. Yeah, but which yeah, <laughs> which sounds like it could all right, which could be it sounds like it could be really cool in concept, right? Like exploring you know ruins full of books that transport you to different worlds. Like unfortunately, it didn't quite work. You can still play the game, but anyway, there's just this beautiful theme that comes in, the gallery theme, and just kind of, it hits you in the face with how pretty it is. And it's a vocal track, which we haven't had. So here it is. What is it? It's the gallery theme. It's from just called Mr. the gallery Uru. theme. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Um, all three of you, thank you for being here. This was a very interesting time, but it was a lot of fun. So we're going to close out with the gallery theme from Mist Uru.
Is is your bunny male or female? Female. Okay, cool. As far as we know. If if I had to identify bunny genitalia, I'm not sure I could. So no, I'm no help. I mean, I haven't looked. I just know that we, she was so young when we got her from the pet store. They're like, we don't know yet, but it's probably a girl. I guess we'll find out at our vet visit. I mean, sure. yeah, if we come back from the vet, from the vet, and it's like, oh, actually, it's a boy. It's like, well, then his name is still Matoya. So <laughs> we're not changing that now. <laughs>